I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Dr. Kristen Willemeyer. She's a neuroscientist and author of Biohack Your Brain, How to Boost Cognitive Health, Performance, and Power. And I'm so happy to have her on the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. You're looking beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and radiant today. Thank you. You know, um, some days I'm not so radiant, but I've kind of figured out that I need a certain amount of sleep. I have to have a certain routine, a certain rhythm, and I'm sure you can relate to this, and also what I eat, but it took me a long time to figure that out. With age comes wisdom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I actually tell people I enjoy getting older because the really? more that I learn, I do. I love it uh, because the more I learn, I, I grow and I change and I, I take on new habits that mm -hmm. Um, really helped me to feel as young and vital as I was in my 20s. Yeah. So actually, I look forward to aging. I know it's fun. It's fun. That's unusual. And that's good. I mean, I have to say my habits in my 20s were not so radiant and wonderful. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, addicted to junk food, staying up really late. I was kind of worn out. And then I reached a point where I said, wait, something has to change. Well, that's the sign of intelligent life, number one. Number two, I had the same bad habits as you did in college because <laughs> nobody taught me no. that I wasn't supposed to stay up all night and then nap during the day. Mm -hmm. we, we do that, right? Oh, you I stay know. up all night, you eat the cookie dough, um, the raw cookie dough. <laughs> you have breakfast at like- Is that code for beer? For some men, it probably is. Yeah. But, uh, the eating habits, like nobody teaches you what you need to do to oh, I be. But I, I almost wish there was that class that you take just before you go to school or that week. You know, we always have this week before I came to Boston College. It was mm -hmm. the week of like going to parties and just integrating into the school. Yes. But what if there was that week of here, are the really smart habits that you should think about adopting to be really successful in an academic setting. And if somebody had taught me about the importance of sleep now, 25 years ago, they weren't really talking about the things we know now, right? Like getting a good sleep can help prevent Alzheimer's, getting good sleep can help regulate your emotions, getting good sleep helps to improve your memory. I was doing the opposite. We were purposely staying up all night yeah. just for fun. I know. For parties, for fun, for talking. So, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I actually could not stay up all night. I was, I was one of these people that at a certain time, let's say 11, 12 o'clock, I was done. I, mm -hmm. It's just my clock. I remember being in high school and having to go to bed at about 11, 11.30. And that has pretty much stayed with me. I don't like the feeling now I would never stay up till one, two in the morning. I'm complete dud, you know? Well, it, you are not a dud. In fact, I'm with you in our household. We go to bed now at nine. We've been doing that during Whoa. COVID <laughs> because I've been able to work from home. That's so good, it's though. very easy to be able to, yeah, trust me, before COVID, I was leaving the office at 8.30. You know, we were having dinner late at night. So again, so we were talking about silver linings. One of the silver linings is we go to bed early and we get up early. We get up at, you know, 6.30 and that's a really great night's sleep. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I know in college, that was not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Your roommates would have left you. <laughs> but, you know, I had the gift of, 
I do have the gift of sleep. I can fall asleep anywhere at any time. So it's the minute my head hits the pillow. And I know that's not, um, that's not common. I mean, working in a psychiatric setting with people who have insomnia, I realize, you know, most people struggle with sleep issues. So I think maybe I was able to survive college because I could, the minute my head hit the pillow, I could sleep. And I was really good at napping, especially in the library. So I'm not promoting that though. (laughs) We're not promoting it, but I would take all of my books and, you know, you plan to spend a good like four to five hours there. It it was almost instinctively, I would get there. I'd put my head on my books. I take like a 30 minute nap and then I was ready. That's good. It was almost as if recharge my body or my, my mind knew like, we're going to have her go down for about 30 and then she's going to be able to sit here for five hours straight. And sure. Well, you know, that is, they, they do say that. And you know, this, like if you take a power nap, like listen to your body. If mm-hmm. I find that I am just, my eyes are crossing at night. Hey, time to go to bed. If I'm trying to watch a show and I'm like, no, I'm not getting this. I have to shut down. I'm done. Power off. Right. Power off is smart. I'll tell you, I've gotten that driving at night, which gets a little um, scary when I'm, you know, have had a full day and it's dark out and I'm driving on the road and I can feel my eyes start to get heavy. You know, there's been times when I'm like, I have to pull over or I have to call somebody to come get me. And it's, this is the, the power of how sleep, when your body wants to go down. Right. I call myself Cinderella. I mean, I mean it. I joke with my husband. I'm like Cinderella, like, oh, I better hurry up. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I love that. That's knowing you and getting your body on a good cycle. And trust me, we want to sleep. You know, we've got uh, this body is on its uh, natural cycle, the circadian rhythm. And by around nine o'clock, the melatonin levels go up. They're released by the pineal gland and melatonin is that great signal to tell the body, hey, it's time to go down. So this human can get their good six to eight hours of continuous sleep. So the whole body can do its regenerative and regenerative process. And, you know, I tell people if there's only one thing that they address to take care of their brain health, I would say getting a good quality and optimizing their sleep hygiene is, is one of the most important things they could do. I want to back up a second because we didn't touch on this, but at what point in your life did you say, I want to be a neuroscientist? <laughs> you know, I tell people I fell into this career backwards. It wasn't something I had initially planned. I grew up showing horses in the Midwest and was a competitive show jumper. So I started at age seven mm-hmm. and did that all the way until I went to school at age 17, um, did not end up bringing the horses with me. So that career <laughs> abruptly ended with college. And I then thought, okay, I really enjoyed the sport. Um, I'd like to really understand how to work with professional athletes to help them improve their performance. So I got more into psychology and sports psychology Um, And that's what I was really working on in college and cognitive psychology. Then I wanted to take a deeper dive into the brain and body. Thought I would be going to medical school, Um, did some work uh, shadowing an orthopedic surgeon, 
volunteering in emergency room at Northwestern Hospital, volunteering in a post-anesthesia unit at a Children's Memorial Hospital. Then I ended up working for a surgeon in Chicago, um, craniofacial microsurgery and plastic surgery. So I was in the operating room. And I did all this because I really wanted to understand if I'm going to go into medicine Mm -hmm. first, like what field do I want to go in? What kind of sparks my interest? And at the time I happened to be dating somebody who had gone to Harvard Medical School and had also been a team doctor for the New England Patriots. So now we're bringing sort of sport and medicine together. And he saw that I had an aptitude for science, just the way my mind is wired, sort of philosophy and science. Yes. And he just said, you know, I think you should think about exploring a career in science. And I thought, okay, you know what, I really you know, I trusted him. I looked up to him. Mm -hmm. He was wise. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a a master's degree in physiological science. And I ended up going to UCLA. And that was the goal. I worked in a neuroendocrinology lab and I just wanted to see, do I like this? Do I have a passion for it? And boy, was he right. It was almost as if this turn happened. Yeah. It's like sliding doors. I really was going to medical school um, fell in love with science. I have an, I'm an introvert and an extrovert. And I think those who go into the scientific disciplines have that introverted side where you can yeah. be so, so focused. Uh, engrossed in a question and so fascinated that you could just study it for hours. So by doing the first master's degree, I found that I really loved science. And then I stayed and did a second one in neurobiology. So I did a master's and a PhD over at UCLA um, studying the young onset form of Parkinson's disease. And I just, I loved it. And I was able to sort of combine sort of a clinical question with a cell biological question. So I used to study what happens at the level of the single cell. That's what neurobiologists do. We dissect brains, you know, let the neurons grow on a dish. And then um, I worked with the gene that gets mutated in this young onset form of Parkinson's disease. And we try to figure out what happens um, with cellular communication, right? How are the cells communicating or not communicating? What mechanisms are working or not working? So that's sort of the intricate level of detail um, that sort of being in uh, neurobiology and, and being a neuroscientist entails. I then left after 10 years. I, so I did a, a PhD in postdoc, was also over at Cedar sinai Medical Center. And I decided that I really wanted to work in the clinical space. So I took a position as a director of research for a large outpatient psychiatric center known as the Amen Clinics. Okay. And I ran their clinical neuroimaging department and did all of the neuroimaging research. And this is where I got to blend my love of running clinical research trials and understanding the brain with working with patients. And I think that I'm probably like a closet MD, PhD, because really I have a love of people Mm -hmm. and a love of helping people solve problems. And then I have a love of the science and the mechanisms and the why, why does this happen? Sure. Uh, so it's really just been a life's journey, not really planned, but beautifully right. unfolding. I love me. it. Yeah. Like just connecting the dots, definitely not linear, which is great, not linear, but just connecting the dots and knowing that every step you take, even the people you're with personally and professionally kind of leads you and mentors you to the next thing. 
Right. It's when you open your eyes and trust and follow the flow and follow your passion. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, you know, having been an athlete, when I started working at the psychiatric clinic, the very first study I did is working with professional athletes. So we want, we ran a very large clinical trial in former professional football players studying the effects of playing football on long-term brain function. So my career had this really nice sort of full circle arc to it from being an athlete, then working with the athletes and in studying that some of the athletes in our population have gotten degenerative disorders and Parkinson's, ALS, Alzheimer's. And at the same time, my dad ended up um, getting Parkinson's disease. So again, another full circle arc from studying that in graduate school to not only working with people in the clinical setting who had it, and then my own father having it. Excuse and me. Was your father a boxer? Did he do any kind of? No. So my, my hypothesis there, because we don't have Parkinson's in our family, um, he was a combat helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So there's potential environmental exposures, Agent yes. Orange. Um, after doing two tours, he was then hired by Pan American. So he was a Pan Am pilot, flew around the globe. So there's things that pilots are exposed to in fumes. Um, and he was also a firefighter. So when he wasn't flying, mm. uh, when he was home, he was a firefighter. So he held both of those careers simultaneously. And my sense is just environmental exposures across those three careers over the course of decades yes. is probably what made him vulnerable. And he lived a very healthy lifestyle, extraordinarily healthy, never had any medical issues. Um, so when he started having the tremors, the tremors started in his, I would say late fifties, early sixties, but he didn't really show it. He was a very proud man. So when you, you have Parkinson's, you can, you can get away with hiding it, but really it was in his seventies when he started shuffling and falling and right. we started seeing some of the other features mm. that we knew he had it. Um, cognitively still sharp the entire time. That's amazing. Um, but I did feel that, you know, when I just reflect upon my current career and the path that it's taken, it feels very, um, divinely guided, if you will, yeah. because there just feels like, uh, this is very purposeful and Which know, I feel like I'm on what you're really, <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of looking at it. And one of my mottos is just follow the fun. Like mm -hmm. I've done this since I was young, you know, when I got into graduate school, uh, I did it because it was fun. Yeah. You know, you go to graduate school to enjoy learning and yes. Even the things that I do now, I just, I love it. So if you can wake up every day and love what you do, I feel that is a good sign that you're on your path. Definitely. Absolutely. I had a question. Are things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, are they also inflammatory diseases? Mm -hmm. So most chronic diseases of aging have that inflammatory component, which is why doing everything you can to keep the inflammation down in the body and eating an anti-inflammatory diet and having anti-inflammatory foods and supplements on a daily basis. Sometimes it's the habits that we practice, the small habits that we do consistently over time 
can really slow and reverse brain aging. And for diseases of aging like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, um, they start at the cellular level one to two decades before you have a symptom, which is why, you know, my Jewish godfather would always say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Be smart and start sort of adopting smart habits and smart strategies when you're young and you're healthy. I mean, I'll tell you working in a clinical setting, a clinical neuroimaging setting with people who have had mild cognitive impairment and dementias, you know, I've seen we can reverse the damage. We can bring blood flow back to the brain. We can still help support uh, neuronal growth in the areas of the brain where it can still grow. Um, so there are things we can do even if we're older and have these diseases of aging that can still impact our quality of life in a positive way and slow down the brain aging. We might not be able to reverse the disorder, sure. reverse my father's Parkinson's, but we could help to attenuate the tremors. We can help to improve his mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think those things are really important for people to know. And especially a disease like uh, like Parkinson's, where my dad's cognitive faculties were, he was sharp, you know, until his last breath. He ended up passing from a routine knee surgery that went septic. So he didn't pass from from Parkinson's. He probably he'd still be living, and and you know his parents lived into their mid nineties. So, um, but but you know I've made peace with his passing because I almost feel as if. He was such a proud man and his physical body was a part of his world and his life. And sometimes I wonder if that just wasn't his way of exiting early on his terms. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, One thing I want to bring up is that, um, well, I, I don't know if I had mentioned previously, but my dad had heart disease. He was overweight most of his life. He was a preemie. Um, but he was overweight most of his life and uh, food was a source of comfort for him. He was a very hardworking man. He had about nine careers and uh, he had, he was diagnosed late in life with um, stage four colon cancer. So it was literally August 4th, 2015 diagnosed December 4th, he passed away and there was nothing they could do. And he couldn't understand like, why can't they cut the cancer out? And And I always looked at it as, you know, there were so many factors leading up to that, you know, and there were some red flags that nobody saw. Yeah. Did he enjoy his life though? Would he say, I've lived a great life, my nine, you know, different careers? Did I he... think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. And, you know, he has also escaped situations where he could have, he could have passed away. He was supposed to be September 11th in um, the building number two. Twin Tower, and I have his badge on my bulletin board. So he was supposed to be in a meeting that morning, and I was frantically trying to reach him, and I finally did. And he says, "Oh, I'm in Brooklyn. My my meeting was canceled. I went to Brooklyn." Ugh. So. Isn't that isn't that amazing? Those, you know, I, I marvel at life sometimes and how we are guided in and out of situations. Mm-hmm. You know, your dad. It's funny, my dad. Um, as a combat helicopter pilot, used to always say he never feared death. He never feared it. He said what he feared more was what it would do to his parents emotionally. Oh, And it's so beautiful. Maybe that's why I have the kind of perspective and outlook I have. And he also used to tell me 
how grateful we are. I mean, for the roof over our head. Again, when you are in Vietnam and you see how other people are living, and he brought his perspectives to me in such a beautiful, kind way. Um, I just look at life through a different lens. Like I wake up every morning thankful to be here. I wake up every morning understanding life happens. We don't get out unscathed, right? As, as you've spoken about in your book, um, there's cancers and degenerative processes that happen to us. We age, um, we lose friends too early, some to addictions, uh, you know, they're suffering and struggling, but there are gifts in that and there's soul evolution in that. And sometimes I look at degenerative diseases and things that happen like to your father, to my dad, or my mom who died with a very rare form of cancer called Baldinstrom's lymphoma. Um, she lived life to the fullest. You know, she, she went out on uh, July 3rd, one day before 4th of July. It would, it would be so like my mom to go out on the 4th of July yeah. with a big bang. Yeah, she just was this fiery, beautiful, creative personality. But I've learned to just enjoy life right every day not be afraid not be afraid of the grief and the loss know that we're all we all have an expiration date at some point so how do we how do we have the the most the best relationships you know I wake up every morning excited who do I get to talk to today you you know I get to meet somebody new I get to learn about you maybe leave this world a better place by teaching people something new so when you shift your perspective on things Mm -hmm. it just gives life a whole new meaning and I'm wondering if your dad sometimes there's a gift in that diagnosis stage four he didn't really have a chance to fight it or get rid of it and you just had the short window of time right to say goodbye and I know I I know you was reading about your the eulogy (laughs) trust me and I gave my dad's and I was just a bucket of tears Mm -hmm. um But, you know, uh, sometimes I just say in life, there's no mistakes and we're always prepared. We are always, we're never given more than we can handle. Mm -hmm. I remind myself of that when I get overwhelmed and like I said, I've lost both my parents and I'm fairly young. I mean, my God, I've got 70 year old friends who still have their 99 year old parents living. And I'm like, wow, you're so lucky. Like your parents are still here. That's amazing. But what I do, because my parents aren't here is I have a second mom and a second dad. I literally, and for some reason, I don't know if I intuitively knew this, but I, I got them like 20 years ago and they just were like contemporaries, but I used to call one, my second mom, one, my second dad. And so it's like, I still have family here. That's good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be blood related. I know it's even better when you can pick them, right? Because exactly. you don't have all the, all the dysfunctional family stuff. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I always say one of our family sayings is we put the fun and dysfunctional. <laughs> I love <laughs> my New York, my New York side of the family said that. Not my, not my Chicago side. <laughs> well, I always ask my guests. Do you have yes. any advice, especially right now in the pandemic, for people that are having a hard time? I mean, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out. I know. So, I know. I'm thinking, I hope she knows the name of the show and she's not like, I so know the sh- Not only did I got the book for crying out loud, and it's amazing, everybody, if you Thank haven't you. read it, please. I appreciate that. <laughs> so any advice for people that are going through a hard time right now? 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. I loved reading in your book, all of the things that you recommend doing. And I do them as well, as far as self-care, right? Taking the time, you know, during these times of stress and unpredictability to have some predictability for yourself and do things that make you happy. You know, you know, if you're a man, it could be going out in the world and working on your cars or doing tinkering and doing the hobbies that make you happy. You know, we females love our massages and I can't, I haven't left the house in a year, literally where I'm still somewhat quarantined. So I haven't been able to get a massage, but I have one of these foot, you literally put your feet in it and it massages your foot, your feet. So I do that. I do my Epsom salt baths. You know, I do my green juicing. I call my girlfriend every single morning and we just do a little prayer um, every morning to start the day. So I have all of these little self-care things that I do that for me are meaningful. So, you know, I just tell people, do what you can to bring a little joy into your own life each day. And you know what that is. It could be reading your favorite magazine, right? As girls, we have our, you know, our favorite things we like to do. So I might hop in an Epsom salt bath, bring my magazines in and I'm happy. It's like a little quiet time for me where I'm not worrying about all of the other things going on in the world. And I tell people during this time, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. This too shall pass. The sun will rise again. Um, and to kind of put that in perspective, when we look at all of the things in life that we've gotten through the nine 11s and just some of the really sort of terrifying events that have happened to our nation and school shootings, and we get through it and we wake up to see another day and, you know, how can we take care of ourselves better? What's one good thing we could do, um, that nourishes ourselves or comforts us and, how can we help make somebody else days better? So a little uh, trip that I teach people that I work with um, for 30 days, you wake up in the morning and you look at your phone and you just pick a name and you send a, it could be a two sentence text, like thinking of you, hope you have a great day. Some, something from the heart. It's a way of showing gratitude, but also um, staying connected. And I just, encourage people if you do nothing else, but for one month straight, do that. And trust me, I do it all the time. I randomly will reach out to people or patients or clients I've worked with and just check in like, how are you doing thinking about you today? Mm -hmm. And it, you don't know the kind of ripple effect that you can have in somebody's life. It brings it back to you. And I think Really, that's the reason why we're here on earth. We can't take any of this stuff with us. We can't take our cars, you know, our homes. We take with us our relationships, the quality of our relationships. And if we can make it a point to touch as many people's lives as possible in a very sort of inspirational, authentic, caring way, that's really, to me, that's what's gotten me through the pandemic is just staying connected with people I love or sharing um, 
doing an act of kindness for somebody, it can even be a smile. Like I'll be outside running and I'll smile at people. And I have a little game. Like I just try to see if I can get I agree. Them to smile back. <laughs> I, I grew up with a tough New York mom and I used to have to play the game because she'd get on the phone all angry. And I was like, oh, how quickly can I turn my mom's mood around? <laughs> and I, it just was a game because if I didn't laugh, like I'd cry. So I had to be, and so I think I do this to this day. I just see what I can do to make somebody laugh or to make them smile or brighten their day and know that I'm here for them That's if they ever need me. And so I don't know, that would be my recommendation. That's perfect. I mean, I always say right now is the time to be really thoughtful and kind to one another because you don't know what someone else is going through. You don't know if you're one cute little morning text with a fun emoji. Mm -hmm. Even if guys are listening, trust me, men need it more than women. Mm -hmm. Because women, we already know to phone a friend. Like we're having a hard day. I'm calling my girlfriend and we're laughing. Um, But my husband or his guy friends, men can be a little bit more um, closed off and they may not communicate Mm -hmm. as effectively and they need to get things off their chest or they need to have their guy talk. So check in, check in on your friend. Hey, do you, you know, think of you like, you know, do you get that new car or whatever? Whatever I mean, exactly. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how you doing? Just thinking of you men need it. Definitely. Where can people find out more about you? You can find me on my website at drwillemeyer.com. W-I-L-L-E-U. M-I-E-R. I know it doesn't just roll off the tongue. Or you can find me. I have a new book called Biohack Your Brain. Um, so you could just type that in and Kristen and you'll find me in the book. It could lead you back to the website. Yeah. Well, I have so enjoyed this. I really, it was great. I have too. This is it feels like a good therapy session. <laughs> I know it's great. Well, you're just so lovely. You have such a great quality, just a way about you um, that I really, I love. And I encourage people if they haven't read your book, it's, it's extraordinary. It's really needed at this time more than ever. And it's got all these wonderful practical steps that people can take to help just move forward in a really positive, empowering way. We, you know what I always say to have a growth mindset. Like if there's something Mm -hmm. you want to do right now, do it, go for it. I've taken a class or two during this time and, you know, it's been a way for me to kind of disconnect, take time off, learn something challenging, but not too hard. And so what class did you take? I'm curious. Uh, well, it's funny because, ah! okay, you talk about how guys like cars. Well, I actually yeah. like cars, but I wanted to learn how to ride a three-wheel motorcycle. Look it up. It's called a Cam okay. Riker. I'll send okay. you a picture. So I Please. took this class at Saddleback College and yes. I loved it. I loved it. It was fantastic. You know, you can't have your phone on. You have to be focused, you know, just completely mindful of everything. So I took it. I was hooked. And by the way, it was like 90 degrees that day. And I'm like, I'm just doing it. I loved it. I loved it. So then then I decided, well, you know, I think I want to take the motorcycle class because I never really learned how to ride a motorcycle. I I used to pop the clutch and I, one time I fell off the back of one and I'm like, I want to get over it. I want to learn this. Yes. I used to drive stick years ago. Yes. That's how I first learned when I started driving. So long story short, in November, I took the two day intensive. It started on zoom at 7am. 
Then we were on the course by noon. And after the first day, I'm like, I'm not doing the clutch smoothly. So I got on YouTube. I found somebody I really admired to teach me. And I watched that video over and over and over. By the next day, I was a different rider. I can I tell you, I love this for so many reasons. First of all, it's like brings out the kid in you. Yeah. You know, like the joy and the creativity and, you know, looking at your eyes like sparkle as you're like, yeah, I'm going to learn how to ride this. I've always been a tomboy. I mean, since I was. Well, I I grew up showing horses. And one of the things that I love, you know, we always had the little uh, Vespa scooters and golf carts, like whizzing us back and forth from the stables to the show ring. And my dad had motorcycles. So he'd get a fire call and he'd jump on the motorcycle and throw me on the back. I'm talking, I was a little kid and <laughs> leave me at the fire station, but I swear to God, my mom was like, I'm going to kill you. I bet. But I, I have, I'm like you, I have the sense of adventure and I'm very, you know, I'm listening to you going, Oh my God, this sounds like fun. I highly recommend it. I mean, it, it did something to me. I mean, it was so exhilarating to, mm-hmm. to do this. The first class alone is like a little teaser, like, okay, I'm on three wheels. Yes. I'm not going to flip. I don't need to know how to use a clutch. Can I do yes. this 1200 CC bike? Oh my God. You know, you are, you are awesome. So my class that I was going to take or my new thing um, during COVID, we ended up getting a place in Palm Springs. So that's one of the silver linings. We wanted right. to have a home instead of live you know, in a building with yeah. lots of people. Right. Um, so in Palm Springs, it gets really dark at night and you, it, it forces you to look up at the sky, right? You look up at the stars and the moon. I'm like so present to what's going on in the sky when it's that dark. Okay. So I said to my husband, I want to learn all the constellations. I want to learn about astronomy. Like I'm really fascinating for some reason now really tied to learning astronomy. And I want to sort of take a deep dive. And I'm like, gosh, I don't have time. I'm really busy. Then I go, wait a minute. I'm teaching people to learn mm-hmm. new things, step outside of your comfort zone. It's one of the best ways to slow brain aging because you're making new neural connections every time Definitely. you learn something new. So I love what you're doing. I'll go do mine. We can swap notes. I love astronomy. <laughs> you know, really all it takes, when you think about the time people waste, and I'm guilty too, on social media, like if you took that 20 minutes instead of being on TikTok or whatever, and you did to learn something, whether it's a language, go back to something you used to love, it's worth it. Well, I read in the book that you are a guitarist, like you play the guitar, that was your thing. Yes. That's one of my, um, the two things that I want to learn how to do is be a hip hop dancer, like a fly girl dancer, like J-Lo back in the day wow. uh, in Living Color. So that's one, and the other is playing guitar. Yeah. Uh, I want to do like acoustic versions of songs. So right. I've, as I was reading your book, I had to chuckle because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm that person too. I want to play the guitar. Exactly. It's I can really tell you fun. what websites when we wrap up, like all the places to look and do and yeah. It's so much fun. See, so if anything, I hope we've inspired people to, you know, let's do it. We always talk about new learning and, you know, yes, you can learn a new language and mm-hmm. That'll slow brain aging, believe it or not, by four and a half years. So just, but it's the concept of taking time every day to learn something new. One thing I teach my clients and patients to do is learn a new word every day. So I have the Merriam-Webster app Mm -hmm. and 
you know, I have a pretty expansive vocabulary. I'm telling you, I, every single day I'm learning new words. That's good. And it's really phenomenal. Yeah. So there's so many ways we can keep, you know, enjoying our time here on this planet, learning and growing, you know, learning isn't just for 20 year olds in college, <laughs> 16, to, 16 to 21 year olds. It could be for people like us too. Now, you know what we need to do before we wrap up? We have to thank the person that introduced us. Shout out to Lance. <laughs> so, oh, shout out to Lance. Yes, yes, Lance. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. And his infinite wisdom. We are yes. so grateful. I now have a new friend. Definitely. Thank you to Lance. So we, we are both grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. This was fantastic. Thank you. It was. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Uh,